is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Today on the show, we'll be talking to Faisal Abid, the co-founder and CTO of Irene Cremations based in Ontario in Canada. Faisal is an entrepreneur who's committed to leveraging technology for groundbreaking solutions. And here he is as co-founder of Irene Cremations, disrupting death care in Canada. So Faisal spent some 12 years at Google um, and his expertise in Google Cloud and his role as a Google developer expert underscore his profound understanding of tech's transformative power. So this puts him at the forefront of revolutionizing industries that have not yet fully embraced technology, such as the funeral services sector. So welcome, uh, Faisal, and thank you very much for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Patrick. Could you give us an overview of of your life and and career to date how did you get to where you are a tech guy in the death care business well it's very interesting i've done so many random businesses but uh i i really got started um in university actually even before that i was uh doing a lot of tech and so i got into all that and since then i've just been tinkering with a lot of technology and there's a really famous tech technology that came out programming language called adobe flex uh, a long time ago, and I got really involved in it. And that was like my first real consulting gig where I was doing a lot of consulting using Adobe Flex. I ended up uh, co-authoring a book. But then when university came around, um, came around, uh, I Android launched. And I was like, you know, I should just like build a business. And I had no idea how to build a business. I was 18, 19 years old. And so I just kind of paused going to university and started working on this business. The idea was we're gonna build a social app marketplace. And so I could, you know, Patrick, you and I are friends. I could be like, you know, I value Patrick's opinion more than I value what five stars say on the Play Store or App Store. And so if I see a game and I see that Patrick's played it, I can press a button, you would get a notification. You could be like, yeah, you know, Faisal, you would like this game. Uh, even if it's like a one star, you'd be like, you know, this is the type of game you would like. And so, we started building that and I learned a lot of lessons on how not to build a business, uh, spent too much time focusing on technology, way too much time building for a billion users when I didn't even have two. Uh, and then eventually, like two years later, the business didn't work out. Uh, and during this whole time, it's I, I say this, it's not really a joke, like I was staying with my parents. So while I had like a house and food and everything, I was paying myself from the business like $200 a month. And so it was just like, you know, the story of like, okay, well, something needs to work. Nothing worked eventually. I just learned how to not run a business. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I got a job. And when I got a job, I didn't go back to school. I started working at a company called Kobo. And Kobo was very interesting. This is my first ever tech job. And I started off as like a intermediate uh, engineer. Um, mainly because I had a lot of experience already building technology and Kobo saw that in me. And so that was great because I got to a network with a lot of people, but more importantly, learn how to run a technology team, learn, you know, get mentored by really good managers. And so that really got me into just like the tech world full on of just like meeting people, learning how to build businesses and just and then from that time on, I just chose innovative startups to work on rather than work at like a big Google. And so the Google thing is funny because Google had reached out and Google said, hey, you're giving a lot of talks. 
And one thing I enjoyed doing uh, was go around and give presentations on the latest technology. And so Google said, we have a program called Google Developer Experts. Would you want to be part of that? We will, uh, as part of the program, it's just me evangelizing a lot of Google products. Um, and um, yeah, and, and in turn, you know, any travel expenses are covered for if I'm traveling around and giving talks. And so that got me into the Google sphere where I did some consulting with them as well. A lot of interesting apps that they were working on internally that I got jumped into. So I kind of got the best of both worlds, not really like being a full-time Google employee, but also doing a lot of consulting with them, doing a lot of their evangelism, and then as well as just going out and attempting to join very disruptive, innovative startups. Like I joined a health startup right after Kobo. I joined a AI startup, which was in 2016, was doing chat GPT for enterprise for executive assistants. We attempted to build it. We did a fairly okay job. It was nowhere near the accuracy or scale of chat GPT, but for the technology that was existed at the time and the algorithms that existed, we did a fairly good job. But then again, we learned, I learned a lot about business. And so eventually I was like, okay, well, I had done a bunch of small businesses while working in my day job. And what happened was I ended up in Japan uh, for three weeks. And I met an old friend there uh, who had worked with previously, and he was running a cremation, a Buddhist cremation service, an online Buddhist cremation service. So the whole idea was you can go on and it would be like Expedia where you could say, you know, I want A, B, and C options. And it would say, well, let's take a look at these five providers. And I got very inspired because I was like, well, this is really cool because this is this type of technology is actually solving a, a need, a problem, and is really changing people's lives. And so I came back to Toronto uh, in March. Uh, I was there for three weeks. So I came back in March, April, and I had this idea in the back of my mind. I'm like, I need to do something in this space. Pure coincidence, I got introduced to my now business partner and co-founder, Mallory, and I got introduced as just like two people that were interested in technology. She was thinking of another idea. I was thinking of a bunch of other ideas. And I'm not going to go around telling people, hey, I have an idea for a debt startup. How many people are interested in that, right? And so morbid, I had this, rather morbid, yeah. Morbid and like, where's the business case? And like, okay, like I didn't understand. I understood how to deal with it from a pure technology aspect, but I didn't understand the regulation. So I couldn't even like pitch to anybody. Mm -hmm. um, so I had this pitch deck deep in my backpack. I went to coffee with Mallory um, and we sat there and it was a 30 minute coffee. 25 of those minutes were spent just ideating on random ideas, whether it's like, um, you know, FinTech or B2C consumer apps, whatever. As nothing happened, we were paying for the coffee and whatever. I, I said to her, you know, what is your random big idea? Like what's something, if you had all the money in the world, what would you want to build? And she said, well, I'm the daughter of a funeral director and I've always thought about doing something in depth. And I was like, hold on, hold on. I went in my backpack, pulled out this crumpled up like pitch deck. And I said, look at this. I've been thinking about this. I have no idea. Like I had no idea that you were involved in this. And so that's when her and I just started brainstorming in 2018 about how do we build a very disruptive uh, business in the funeral space. That was some uh, that was some coincidence, wasn't it? Big coincidence. And it was very interesting because 
we wanted to launch this in 2019. We officially had left our work uh, and we said, okay, let, after some vacation time, let's just go build this business. So we wanted to launch this 2019. And unfortunately, because of the regulations being so archaic, because think about how much innovation is happening in funeral services anyways. And so because it's a very, very regulated space, we had some regulatory pushback, which took us all the way to November of 2020 to actually get our license to start operating. Okay, right in, in the middle of COVID, right? In the middle of COVID. So and COVID hit, that delayed things as well. Um, and that was just like, it's not that COVID helped or hurt in any way. It was mainly that COVID was a big, big distraction because obviously funeral services were not trying to get new funeral homes licensed. They were dealing with all the other chaoticness that was happening. So after a lot of regulatory, just talking to people and like government officials, we eventually eventually got our license in uh, 2020, November. Now we're Canada-wide. Uh, each province has its own licensing, but uh, you know, because we've proven ourselves, we were able to move. So aside from a couple of provinces, we're, we're everywhere in Canada. And what were the features of the sector that made you realize it was ripe for disruption? Consumer behavior. I always had this idea that technology could be really cool, and I'll give you a lot of examples um, like VR, crypto, fantastic tech, right? Like I think technology-wise are really, really cool. But would a consumer use them daily like they use the iPhone or Android, right? And I started and I got into crypto. I, I did a bunch of playing around with VR and stuff. And none of these technologies uh, felt that I could see the average consumer coming home at like 5 p.m. after a long day at work, sit down and go, I'm going to spend time, you know, trading crypto or doing something with crypto or doing something with VR or a bunch of other technology. And so I was thinking about, well, think about the funeral service space. If someone loses somebody, as it is, it's just this random event that might happen or not random. You might see it coming, but it's such a um overwhelming experience and then what do you have to do you have to actually go around drive around talk to people and then the funeral homes will sell you on multiple packages so why can't there be like an all-inclusive concierge experience um and why does there need to be a physical space why can't there be a digital uh funeral home an online funeral home just like uber uber doesn't have any cars uber is an online taxi company uh, that's disrupted the whole space with technology. And so that was a thesis we had built this on where the idea was, the idea, I mean, the business is currently, is it's an online funeral home. We interface with all the same cremation, crematory partners and industry partners that a normal funeral home would, right? There's no difference. The difference is there's no physical space. So we can operate in any radius in our regulatory environment. Um, we are more than half the cost of the average cremation because there's no overhead fees. Um, and so we pass on all the savings to the family as well. We're able to leverage technology on the back end and even a bunch on the front end, but we built this uh, system called Funeral OS. And Funeral OS helps the funeral director, which is responsible for helping the family and make all the arrangements, register with the government, coordinate the entire arrangement, usually, an arrangement might take 
five to six hours at a, at a typical normal funeral home, we do it in 10 minutes uh, because we've automated that entire pipeline. We've automated data collection, analysis, filling out those forms, giving back feedback to the funeral director on where should the deceased, uh, which crematorium should the deceased uh, be transferred to. All that is dealt with. Mm -hmm. uh, like, for example, if you were to give us a call right now and talk to our funeral director, because of this NLP experience I have, we've built this uh, algorithm, or we built this system where we can analyze the phone call, extract all the relevant details from the phone call, and then use those details to instantly automate all the forms and everything else needed for the death to be registered. And so that saves the funeral director like an hour or two right away where they don't have to write down all the notes, type in the computer, go to five different websites and do everything. We've just automated all that. So these are like the innovations when we were thinking about, well, how do we do this in a more efficient way? Because then what would be the point if we were just a website? Like that doesn't add any value. Uh, we would have to build something that can scale and that can scale as we grow because it's we're just not in Ontario, like in lower part of Ontario in one city, like a normal funeral home. We are everywhere in Ontario, everywhere in Nova Scotia. So, and, and this helped a lot because of my experience with Google Cloud and AI and ML, where I what I brought uh, to, you know, when Mallory and I are thinking, well, where our strengths are. Mallory's great at operations, understanding the regulation. Um, my my strengths are, well, how do we take this very old archaic system and just streamline everything using all these systems I've built. Like one of the companies I consulted for many years ago was Boston Dynamics and I worked on their spot platform. And just like understanding how to deal with a lot of just like spot is a very powerful robot, but it's being deployed in very old archaic industries to automate it. That was very interesting as well, where I got to see well, how they approach that problem solving. Uh, where it's being deployed in like the most low tech um, power plants. Like there's no technology, it's just like all pipes and whatever, but spot is being deployed there to able to read uh, dials and, you know, detect fires and all sorts of stuff. So a lot of little inspiration and mental models from different places. What's the relationship between yourselves and the traditional funeral homes? Is it symbiotic? Is it competitive? Is it it's competitive. So the way the industry works is you have the funeral homes and then a lot of funeral homes uh, sometimes do uh, have their own crematorium, but then there's a lot of trade crematoriums and trade crematoriums. Think of them as just B2B. They work with other funeral homes. They're like, they're like the supplier essentially, right? If you were like a Starbucks, they're like the coffee supplier. Um, and so we work with the crematoriums directly. Uh, sometimes if the funeral home does have a crematorium, we would work with the funeral home as well. We, we're we not too focused on the competition. What we're focused on is really how do we give the user the best experience? So what, you know, the tools that we build, even, even after death, you know, what are the tools that we can help the family grieve better, um, help them, um, you know, memorialize their loved one? So we built a memorial platform that's, that does really well. A lot of families use it. We have a bunch of resources. Funny enough, sometimes we get phone calls from people that have never used Irene uh, because they found a resource on our site that helped them tremendously. Uh, because we 
are, you know, this is comes from Mallory and I's experience and just like, how do we build tech companies? I've worked at so many tech companies where it's like SEO is super important, writing content and focusing on the consumer. Consumer is like the number one. If we can solve the consumer's problem, the rest of the stuff is just details. Like we can build the technology, we can figure out operation. The consumer has to, the consumer's problem has to be solved first. How does the physical logistics work between the home or the morgue and the crematorium? Yeah, so if say someone uh, passes away at a hospital, then you know you would call us, we would run our whatever, like you're talking to the human funeral director, all the systems are automated in the background. So the funeral director would just uh, approve that, yes, this person, John, is at this hospital. A transfer service would be dispatched and the transfer service would go pick up your loved one, I take him to a holding facility. You would fill out a couple more documents. The cremation would happen. And then you would get the remains hand delivered to you within five to seven business days. Mm. Uh, and so it's a very streamlined experience. You technically- does it, does it allow for a family ceremony of any sort? A lot of families, what we're finding, want, think it's more meaningful to have a celebration of life in their own time in a space that they feel meant a lot to their loved one so you know whether it's a cottage or maybe it's just their condo and they just you know they had good memories there with their loved one and so they invite all their friends so a lot of families prefer that because we're able to you know have the remains delivered within five to seven days they can you know they get an urn they can decide maybe we'll do it next week or maybe we'll do it in the summer we'll go to like a beach in the summer we'll have a nice time so more families prefer that uh, we're finding Irene isn't for everyone. Uh, it's not like, you know, Irene is going to totally disrupt the burial uh, space and those massive events. There's people obviously that still want that, but Irene is for everyone else that don't typically resonate with that type of celebration of life. And they want a celebration of life that's, that's meaningful to them. And do you have plans to expand to us or internationally elsewhere? Yeah, we're, we're always looking to expand. There's a bunch of uh, stuff in the, in the in the background going on right now so you know expect something in the very very short future <laughs> why might we see something this side of the pond we've thought about it we <laughs> actually we thought about it um maybe probably in next year the year after um right now we're really focused on north america but it's very likely okay and your your role then as CTO of of a company in 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 death care or funeral services, how is that the same or different to be to being say a CTO in a company in another sector such as food or Apple yeah. or whatever? Well, you know, I was CTO at Zoom.ai, the, the ChatGPT early version of it. Uh, it's in a lot of ways it's similar because you're still dealing with problems that you people have whether it's technology problems or human problems that we're using technology to solve there's still problems that we need to uh, predict we need to understand so like for example um if you look at like an ai startup that's just building like chat gpg or something a user comes on there's a bug in the process the bot didn't behave the way it needed to we have to fix it we have to predict where the industry is headed in the next two years and start to like kind of build that foundation now. The same thing for funeral services. Where is the industry headed? 
uh, where, what are the issues users are facing in the flow? How can we optimize the flow to make it better for the user? In fact, I would say it's a bit more tricky in funeral services because if you're dealing with a regular tech company, the user's mental state is very different. They might be curious. They might be like, oh, this, is, this might solve a problem for me. When you're dealing with funeral services, they're in a very vulnerable state. You cannot put them through multiple loops of filling out 10 forms or like, oh, you know, you got to press this button. Can you please refresh? The browser's not working. You can't have all that. Like, they're already grieving. You're not going to have them update your browser or all sorts of crazy stuff. And so there's a lot of thought that needs to be put around, a lot of workflow mapping. But ultimately, the same type of skills apply, um, I would say, as long as you're focused on the user, it's no different than running any other business. What's your view in relation to the present and future of AI? So we've a lot of hype and hysteria around the topic at the moment and confusion between the LLMs and artificial general intelligence and so on. HSSCU is the credit union proudly serving the communities of Ranala, Rathmines and Rathgar. Discover us at our local branch, conveniently located at the Triangle in Ranala. HSSCU is a nationwide credit union with a passion for putting people at the heart of everything we do. Join us today and become part of one of Ireland's top performing credit unions. HSSCU Credit Union, made by our members for our members. Visit to open your account and explore more about the benefits of banking with HSSCU. Health Services Staff's Credit Union is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM. So where, where are we at and where are we headed with AI? There's so much confusion between LLMs and AGI that I think in a way it's sort of hurting the space of AI because there's a lot of people thinking that we've suddenly created this like tool that can solve all our problems. Uh, when, a, when the LLMs are not solving any problems, the LLMs are just statistical machines regurgitating the information they fed in and kind of predicting what the next word should be. They're absolutely fantastic. I use them almost every day to either help with coding or help with you know, data analysis, but there needs to be this sense of business logic that uh, a lot of people aren't really thinking about. And they're considering LLMs as just like, you know, I'm gonna just ask it and whatever it gives back to me is the right answer. So in my opinion, what we will see is this hype kind of reach a saturation point where then there's some disillusionment of like, well, you know, it didn't really solve much problems. And then we're going to see like very innovative applications come out. Today, I would say the true, the true, like the, the real use case of using LLMs specifically are around taking, like supercharging your existing business. I don't think if you're building a business, which is just like, here's a new LLM, not, not copy it, but like Google can innovate on it. OpenAI can innovate on it. Like, it's, there's no moat, there's no defensible moat there. If you're saying, you know, I'm gonna build an, a business that is hooked them to the open, the chat GPT API, where all they have to do is, it's a prompt, right? Like all you've innovated on is a prompt. There's no moat there. The moat is, goes back to what the moat has always been, which is the data you collect. Like Irene, for example, 
we've been able to, even before the LLM stuff, we were able to build this like phone call analysis tool. That's because we had almost two years of phone calls, phone call data that I could train on. We get three, 400 phone calls a month. So that's a lot of transcripts that I had, MP3s that I had that I could train the model on to understand what are people saying or which how the conversations are going. But if all I did was just hook up to an open API wrapper, then what's stopping anyone else doing it? And on top of that, it won't even work properly because they're not trained on to listen to funeral services phone calls. What way are you using it within within your business as much as you can you can see? Yeah, so there's a lot of behind the scenes uh, LMs that we use. Uh, I don't know if I can totally get into it. There's a lot of it is just our secret sauce. But yeah. I would say one one good example that we use externally is we have an obituary generator, right? Uh, and a memorial generator where a lot of families kind of get stuck because writing is hard. Uh, like how you sit there and write someone's entire life in like three paragraphs. And so we built uh, an open, like a obituary generator where someone can come on, enter in a lot of details about their loved one, and you get a template to start working with, right? That's not a business on its own. That's ne not necessarily innovative in the sense that we didn't have to train it on anything, but that is something that yeah, I can speak to, but a lot of families still find very useful. But if it was just on any random website, families wouldn't use that because why would they? There's just, they're not gonna start Googling obituary writer uh, because it's part of the entire service for Irene families go through the service and then they go, well, I'm not creating a memorial right now. Oh, you have a memorial generator. Great, I'll use it. So it's like almost like a tiny feature that A, I can speak about, but like families use it a lot. This is, this is one of the most um, fascinating conversations I've had about the application of, uh, of technology. But as, as we come into the last few minutes, um, maybe I'll just ask you a little bit about your own journey as a, as a professional and as, as an entrepreneur. Um, iterating very fast. Like I talked about the first business that I did, I could have launched it within two months, even a month, but I launched it almost a year and a half later because I kept thinking about, well, what about this cool feature? What about that cool feature? <laughs> yeah. And then to, to wrap then, are you reading or listening to anything lately that is inspiring that you'd recommend to listeners? Uh, not inspiring, but I have a great book. Uh, I mean, unless you're inspired to be a match fixer. Uh, so this is, a, this is a very cool book called The Fix. I recently was at a conference where they, the author presented, his name is uh, Declan Hill. And the presentation was great. I haven't started reading the book yet, but I sat through this hour long presentation where I was able to get the book. Um, fantastic book um, that I think is very, very interesting to learn about how match fixing works in the world of sports and how people are just like behaving there. But aside from that, the other book that I really like that is actually helping in the business context, I have it right here. It's called Scaling People. And so as Irene grows, uh, it's called Scaling People by Claire Johnson. As Irene grows, We've grown from a team of two people to almost 20 people now. Scaling people is a, has been a great read. It's almost like 
you don't have to read it start to bottom. You can just jump to a chapter and kind of look at it. It's great to like see how to manage people because the hardest part about running a business, aside from getting the customers right, customers problem solved, is solving your uh, your team's problems. And you know, people problems are super hard. Excellent. So that's the, the fix by Declan Hill and scaling people by Claire Johnson. So yeah. many thank many thanks, Faisal, for being here with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure and fascinating to chat with you today. Thank you. Thanks also to our listeners for tuning in again. And be aware that if you enjoyed this episode, you can find the full series of over 130 episodes of Interlinks on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, and other major podcast platforms. So until next time, keep well and stay safe. Music.